Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. And we're back with more content while on social isolation. Uh, Another episode, another good episode, we're hoping, uh, but a really great wrestler to cover. Uh, Who are we covering this week, Javier? Today we are covering Dave the Animal Batista. Uh, This is a a gentleman who I am obviously very fond with because he was... What, like the second biggest star in my era of wrestling? So, you know, this is this is definitely one that I was looking forward to. When we get to John Cena in about 10 years, then, then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be really hitting my sweet spot. But I was, except Batista, I was really excited to do this episode because, you know, I got to see a lot of the matches that I watched as a kid. Uh, some matches that I that I watched, you know, just in my, in my return to wrestling and stuff like that. And then a match that I had not seen uh I, I i've seen snippets of it i've seen the part that like you know really matters from it but i hadn't seen it in its entirety because i genuinely just don't remember that pay-per-view but that's that's for down the line so it was really cool to see that you know i got to i got my little nostalgia i got my return to nostalgia and i got to see something i'd never seen before and, and honestly that's kind of what you want out of an episode like this is to sort of inform yourself but also no- remember things which is really cool that Batista's kind of that guy who, you know, he, he hit us at, at a time where we were both watching wrestling. At least I was. I was very invested in wrestling. Uh, and then he retired last year. So, you know, he, he re- we really spanned the whole lifetime of his career. So it was really cool to, to have sort of a guy who's still fresh on our minds and, and, and freshly done and be able to just do his whole career, especially when it's as successful as he was. And as successful as he is now. Batista is one of the, I'd say, the rare uh, cross-promotion stars in terms of being able to be a wrestler as well as an actor. Uh, you know, I'm a big Marvel guy, a big fan of Dave Batista as Drax. I think he does a yes. really good job. Uh, big James Bond guy as well, so I really liked him. I think it was Inspector. Spectre. That he was, yeah. and Subpar James Bond movie, but it's okay. But I th- still think that Batista does a good job. And... In general, you're right about, like, Batista is somebody that I'm really familiar with, but I think the matches we chose, the first two are ones I remember watching live, as in watching those WrestleManias. Uh, The second two, so matches three and four, I had never seen before. I had missed. So they were part of my my Laps fandom. We talk about that a lot on the pod, how a lot of wrestling fans tend to be lapsed fans and come back into it. And then the last match we're watching is right when I came back to wrestling. And it was really great to see Batista again in a different light. And I had to kind of do some some old research in terms of how he has evolved since I last saw him in Evolution. Hey, good pun. Uh, <laughs> but it's really great 
to go through and watch all these matches because Batista is very different from any other wrestler. He has something about him. There is that that it factor that you can't really put a finger on that Batista has, and you see it in his in his matches. Yeah, he he had like honestly, Batista's work was pretty much average at best. You know, he he came into it. He, it was not like he was already an older prospect. He was just a muscle guy who eventually became what he became. But like, you know, Batista as a promo wasn't. You know, he wasn't the best. You know, in the ring he wasn't the best. You know, it, as a character he was pretty stale for a lot of his run. But the thing about Batista is he just had the it factor, and, and like that's just something you can't really like measure in someone is is whether or not they have the it factor he was over with the crowd whether it was a baby face or a heel uh he was over with the crowd even when he was a stale baby face you know he he again he was not an electric promo so it's not like he was you know being like the cm punk type where he's going to mystify you with his words and he's not exactly a ring technician so he's not going to bret hart be your favorite because he can put on five-star classics but, but there's something about the strength he has and yeah. the way he uses it that makes you be like that guy's cool. Yeah, I want to be like that guy. And the thing with him is, like, there aren't many wrestlers out there who have that thing. Like, Brock Lesnar's the, the prime example of this. Where, like, Agreed. you know, from the from out of nowhere, he'll just, like, just explode on you with, like, such speed and strength where you're just like, whoa. And Batista has that ability. You see it sometimes with the... the awful looking spear that he puts out but my the thing that i love most about him is that like sometimes just out of nowhere he'll just explode with a clothesline i like that was my mm-hmm. favorite thing about batista when i was a kid it was that he would just do that and it'd be like whoa where the heck did he come from like how do you where do you pull that out from but batista's not even the most mobile of guys like brock is just a freak athlete brock could you could put him in an NFL combine, and I believe that Brock could run a 4-3. He could outlift everyone there. He could, like, do everything. Batista, though, Batista, like, I feel like he struggles just to walk, especially in, like, the 2007 to, like, 2010 range where he was just this, like, beefy guy. He was big. He yeah. was big. And, and, like, yeah, he, he was, like, too jacked to be mobile, but he was still doing those crazy explosive moves that, like, I know to me personally when I was a kid, I was like, this is one of my guys because of that. I love that 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 that's exactly what it is is he has that innate ability to just become one of your guys uh, my friends and i often talk about when it comes to wrestlers like there's like an unofficial list of guys who are my guys or our guys you know uh original la Parca, that's our guy right there he done uh, that's my guy he done that's your guy right there and batista has that same ability of like you just see me like that's my dude like let's watch my dude do this thing let's see him you know spine buster people and make it look like they're going to go all the way through the ring, right? Uh, before we get into the matches, we should talk about what this podcast is, because maybe people are listening to us for the first time. Uh, if you're listening to us for the first time, this is Crossbody to Work. Uh, what we do is we take five matches from a wrestler's career, and we review them, we watch them, we talk about things we like, we talk about things we don't like, uh, we do a whole spiel in terms of where they started, where they've ended up, and trying to go through their whole career. So what do you know about the early career of Mr. Dave Batista? Well, I know he's part of the uh, big OVW group that came down through 
uh, Ohio Valley in that, you know, early, very early 2000s range. It was him, it was Brock, Cena, Shelton Benjamin, Randy Orton, uh, you know, that group of guys. Uh, I believe Charlie Haas was there as well, but apparently we don't talk about Charlie Haas. Uh, Which is disappointing because he's wonderful. Yeah, I know he's one of your guys. He is one of my guys. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, yeah, he was part of that group. And I believe he was actually, like, the most successful when it came down to OVW stuff. I, I You know, he was the champion there for a while. He was so kind of the... He's a one-time OVW World Heavyweight Champion. He yeah. went by the name Leviathan. Yeah, he was Great Leviathan. Name. I thought his name was Prometheus for some reason. Uh, but, Good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, he, I know he was that, um, and, and then he, you know, comes up, he's with Devon as, the, uh, I believe he's Deacon, Deacon Batista. Batista. Yeah, he's yep. Deacon Batista. Uh, he, he's just standing there with a the little uh, thing. The collection that collects, box. Yeah, the little collection box. Um, they they kind of get into his backstory as far as him sort of uh, maybe being uh, in an inappropriate, having inappropriate relations with a priest, but that is... Beside the point, we don't want to get down quickly, that route. Quickly shoved to the back burner. Yeah, and as soon of as that goes next. Yeah, as soon as that was teased, uh, was when it really sort of ended between them. Uh, and then evolution. Yes. Yes. The evolution. evolution. It's a mystery. Um, one of the best things that could have possibly happened to Batista. Uh, you turned me on to the Ruthless Aggression documentary on the WWE Network. And the episode specifically about Evolution, if people don't know, Evolution is the uh, four-person stable of Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Batista. And originally it wasn't going to be Batista, was it? It was going to be no Mark Jindrak. Oh, so originally it was going to be Batista, uh, but Batista got hurt uh, in that match with, uh, with Randy Orton. And um, he tore his tricep, I believe it was. Orton broke his ankle, but Orton obviously came back earlier because a broken ankle is easier to come back from than a tricep. Um, And Batista was getting a bit antsy uh, to get back, so he started training before he was supposed to, and then he tore his tricep again. Uh, And so, you know, instead of waiting, they sort of tried testing out Jindrak because they knew he was really good friends with Orton and he was also a young, up-and-coming talent. Uh, but as you saw in the documentary, it didn't really work out because Jindrak just couldn't get it together wasn't the fit. Uh, with his attitude and stuff. So they just sort of waited for Batista. Jindrak lost his spot back to Batista, uh, and we were off and running. And now Mark Jindrak isn't in Marvel movies. That's pretty much how that works out. Yeah, he's not in Marvel movies. He's not in James Bond. He's not making um, millions of dollars in Hollywood, that's for sure. What a bummer. Uh, fun fact about leviathan he had an undefeated streak in 2001 in ovw can you guess who broke his undefeated streak it was a main roster talent who was very popular at the time at the time yeah 2001 um very popular was this a a mid-card talent no this was a, a like an upper mid card main event guy oh was it like uh like an edge no it was kane Oh, in a De- I believe it was in December 2001, there was a match between Kane and Leviathan. It was the main event of an OVW show, and Kane beat Leviathan, and there was also interference in that match from the Hardy Boys and Stone Cold. I um, would love 
to watch that match. Can you just imagine being an OVW? You're just like, you know, this is, in a, a de- you know, you're watching the show. You know, it's a developmental, it's like, uh, promotion. And you just, you get Kane, you get the Hardy Boys, and you get the most popular wrestler literally ever. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what a great, what a great time to be in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, Evolution, a great stable, uh, and both of the first two matches we're going to talk about with Batista involve Evolution in some capacity. Should should we just get into the first match? Yeah, go right ahead. This is definitely the match that I enjoyed the most. Interesting. Let, well, let's get into it. So it's WrestleMania 20. It is Evolution versus the Rock and Sock Connection. It's a three-on-two handicap match. So Ric Flair... Uh, Batista and Randy Orton versus The Rock and Mick Foley uh, in Foley's first match in four years. Uh, was this so? Was this his first match in four years? Because he had the feud they, they with ta- Orton the la- the year but before. The, the feud with Orton actually comes after this. Oh, I believe this leads into this is he had been taunting him up until this point, and this is what really leads into the the feud coming out of it. Oh, okay. I got yeah. Then I got to, yeah. I got my timeline off then because I know Orton. Uh, they showed a pro- they showed a promo before this, uh, not directly before this match, but earlier in the pay per view. Uh, it's the famous Evolution one where Orton is talking the whole time, uh, and Batista and Ric Flair are, are standing uh, one on each side of him, and they're all in suits, and they're just in a stairwell in Madison Square Garden, just. They're moving in different spots of the stairwell, but they're just talking into the camera. Uh, and Orton's just running down Mick. At one point, he gets to the part where he he kicked Mick Foley's head, and Mick fell down the stairs. Uh, but in the whole time, Ric Flair is just there with his Ric Flair, I'm probably drunk smile, and Batista's just there like with a face that he's just like does not want to be there at all. But he has to look tough and intimidating, and it's killing him. Weird promos. Mid-2000s, weird promos. Right? Like, that's just a staple. Yeah. Um, so, a little bit about this match. It's the third longest match on the WrestleMania 20 card. The only two ma- matches that are longer are the two title matches. I didn't know that this was the match that had the most time behind it. I had no idea. Yeah, this match seemed pretty quick to me. I don't even know what the runtime for this was. It's, I believe, just a shade under 20. Really? Really. This felt like a 10-minute match. It really did. There's a lot going on in the match, which really helps it, because it, it does feel like it goes by a lot faster than you think. Yeah, no, yeah, this... is the third longest match on the card. Wow, this was cool. See, this WrestleMania, I really enjoy. Uh, you know, it, it, before, we're, it's, it's a nod back to old podcasts. Uh, you know, Trish Stratus was being fought over... Uh, by you know Jer- Chris Jericho and uh, Christian, and then we get the the thing that I didn't want to happen was she ends up with Christian. Who chooses Christian over Chris Jericho? I'm gonna bring that back because I need to understand this because I still don't. I don't get it. She she turns on <laughs> Jericho inadvertently, hits him, costs him the match, and then after the match, she smacks him twice. Christian hits him with the unprettier. And then they make out at the top of the ramp. Who chooses Christian over Chris Jericho? Vince McMahon didn't even want this finish, but somehow we got it. I don't get it. 
But anyways, The Rock was on this pay-per-view. It doesn't matter. Evolution against uh, Mick Foley and The Rock. The Rock and Sock Connection. It was an entertaining match. I really liked it. It was hot from the get-go. Uh, the Rock had his little moment there. A flare. He's just... The guy's been away from wrestling and he's still The Rock. Like, I, I don't understand how you could just turn that switch back on and still be the most entertaining wrestler of all time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course this match is entertaining. The Rock is inherently an entertaining person. His pre-match promo where he's pumping up Mick Foley backstage. And there is a shout out to Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka, who, you know, we don't talk about anymore. Uh, but there's also a random shot of Hurricane and Rosie. And he makes fun of him, calling him the Hamburglar. All great stuff. Uh, ripping into uh, Lillian Garcia, saying, don't look at the people's package. Great stuff. Like, The Rock was on fire. And so, of course, this is going to be entertaining, because The Rock is entertaining. McFoley is lovable. And the Evolution guys are all really good, even though, you know, Orton and Batista at this point are still relatively green. Yeah. Batista's not a, not a spring chicken in this match, either. He's 34 years old already in this match. Yeah, I told you he was one of the. He was like an older prospect. I mean, he he really reached his peak when he was in his mid to late thirties, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I know that's like the sweet spot kind of for wrestlers. Uh, there's a lot of wrestlers now who are at the top of the card who you would be surprised are in their mid to late thirties. You know, Daniel Bryan is obviously one of them. Daniel Bryan uh, was, I believe, like thirty two at WrestleMania thirty or something like that, somewhere along those lines. You know. Uh, John Moxley's probably creeping up on his mid thirties. Like Finn Balor's age always blows me away because he's got more abs than I'll ever see in my yeah. life, and, and he's like thirty eight or thirty seven, yeah. something like that. Yeah, Good no, it, it's really sh- like that's kind of like the peak for for guys. That's when you really hit your most popular, which is weird to me, but it, it's whatever. Uh, yeah, no, Batista was a was definitely a late bloomer as far as age goes, and then compared to Orton, who's probably all of 23, 24 probably in this yeah, match. Orton's still really young in this match. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's interesting to see here because you know it, it's always those subtle things when it comes uh, to to the evolution here that you know they, it was really obvious that they were focusing more on Orton in the long term than Batista. Uh, you know, Orton's really the head of this program. He's the one that started yeah. it with Mick and then got the Evolution guys involved here. And even in the match itself, he's sort of like the most important cog in it all because Mick and uh, Rock are both trying to go after Randy to, to sort of get their comeuppance on him. But he's just being that like smarky little little heel who, who doesn't want to get into the ring, doesn't want to get involved at all. 
But whenever, you know, they turn their backs, he's the first one there to, to really get his licks in. Uh, and with that, Batista then kind of operates as the heater, right? He's the heavy. He's the one who is just there to do a lot of the power moves. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of damage. He does by the end, but for a lot of the, his early parts in the match, he's just kind of there to do power moves to really wear Mick down a lot. Um, but the, the you're right, the main storyline element here seems to be Orton Foley, and everything else is kind of just revolving around it. Yeah, and, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, later on this year, just SummerSlam is when uh, the title gets put on Orton. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense why they're trying to sort of elevate him here. That was the goal that they were trying to reach. But it's just really interesting because I thought Batista was pretty fun in this match. I, I genuinely, looking back He's on this, great. I think Batista, uh, Ric Flair is my favorite element of this match. Uh, you know, but, but like I thought... That Batista was fun in this. I mean, he, he had those moments, like I mentioned earlier, where he's like in the corner and then he'll just explode and hit that that uh, clothesline, whether it was on the rock. He did it on Foley as well. Uh, but the one on the rock was the one that really st- stood out to me because Rock sold it like a million bucks. He sold it like he was just decapitated by the guy. Uh, you know, he hit a spine buster on Rock that the Rock just like he was dead afterwards. It, it stops Rock's hot tag. Rock gets a hot tag and he's just cleaning house and then one huge Batista spine buster and that's it. And I thought that was really great at showcasing like Batista is legitimately a brick wall. Yeah. Like he will stop anything. Does not matter if you are the Rock. And I feel like we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't mention the whole thing between The Rock and Ric Flair in this match. Uh, early on. Go in the into match. it. It's so fun. You, you tell it. Early on in the match, uh, The Rock... And Ric Flair are in the ring together, and Rock hits Flair uh, with a punch and just like sort of walks away. And he's doing the little Ric Flair strut. Uh, and, and later on in the match, um, Flair tries to to do. I think it's after Batista hits that spine buster where the Rock yep. is dead. He 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 stops Batista. He's like pleading with him, pleading with him, and then he starts doing the people's elbow. <laughs> and he obviously Ric Flair's it up. He does this little strut. Uh, he jumps over Rock, does the strut again, and when he's coming off the the second time on the ropes, the Rock pops up. Uh, he hits, he hits him, uh, and then he does the the little strut, <laughs> the, the little Ric Flair strut. But he does it so with such exaggerated effort, it's perfect. And I mean, obviously, you know, does his stuff. He he, I believe, hits Batista with a rock bottom. Uh, he does a lot of things here. The the Rock really gets his licks in in this portion of the match, uh, but but as everything gets chaotic, I believe it it winds down. Uh, Rock gets fully into it, and then that that's really when uh, things start getting crazy as far as the finish goes. So Evan, I'm gonna let you get to this part. Every single wrestling fan has done a Ric Flair strut. Oh yeah, I don't think anyone has done an impersonation of Ric Flair strut as good as Rock does when he's finishing off his own people's elbow. But now into the finish. Um, the finish is, a, there's a lot of, not necessarily spamming of finishers like you would see in like a, you know, a PWG match nowadays or, or, or like the end of a New Japan epic. But uh, there's a lot of guys hitting their stuff right near the end. Uh, Batista hits the Rock with a Batista bomb. But the finish is one of the, not necessarily the first, but probably one of the most prominent First, RKO's out of nowhere. Uh, Orton is really unaccounted for for a little bit. He hits Foley with an RKO, and that's it. That's the match. And Orton manages to get the one up on uh, on the legend. This is, you know, 
really great early Orton as Legend Killer. And it was the feud with Foley that really makes him. And I think having him win and having Evolution win this match was a really smart call in terms of their trajectory for uh, what they wanted with this stable. Like, Foley and Rock can afford a loss. They are Mick, they are Mick and The Rock. They, they can take a loss. They, that's no problem. But so, they, they really needed this win. It's important to note uh, that wasn't supposed to be the finish. Really? That was the confusing bit because uh, I know that, you, as you noticed, Foley pops up and he's like, two. Like, he now sells the RKO. Yeah, I thought he was Foley just was supposed really to well. kick out of that, but he didn't. So Foley okay. and Rock were actually supposed to win this match. Wow. Yeah. The more you know. I the, yeah. listen, we're the breaking little, news the here. The star just went across the sky. Yeah, so the Foley and Rock were supposed to to win the match. I don't know what the finish was supposed to be. Um I I actually don't know if that's the truth. I've heard multiple reports on who or I've read multiple reports and accounts on who was actually supposed to win the match, but the the majority of the ones that I know are that Foley and Rock were supposed to win the match, uh which would set up the program between uh you know, Mick and uh, Orton for the rest of the summer, I guess. The, now that actually makes a lot of sense why that happened then. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mick missed, obviously. He kept his shoulder down, three count, and Evolution wins, which I thought was actually the better finish because I feel like Evolution should have won this match, and I feel like it should oh, have been Orton pinning Mick to do that, yeah. to then, you know, reignite that that thing because, you know, it, it sort of puts a fire under Mick's thing, uh, under Mick's... Uh, being that you know he couldn't beat him even with the rock like it's the rock um so he's got to do it himself and he he needs to do it and that should have led to the hardcore match and all that jazz that that inevitably comes with uh being there in that position like i said it 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 makes a lot more sense for evolution to win yeah it does especially the two young guys who are on the rise and like i said Mick and Rock can take a loss. They're still not going to, you know, people are going to be like, oh, they suck now. They're yeah. Mick Foley and the they're Rock. They're established. They, they're made. They're made men, right? Yeah. You don't, they don't need anything else. They could lose every so, match for the rest of their lives, and it wouldn't matter. People would love them every time they come out. Exactly. You think I'm not going to pop when I hear if you smell? Of course I will. Um, but I think it was, even if it was an on-the-fly, you know, or or a mistake decision. I think it was still the right outcome. Yeah, and um, obviously it worked uh, as a as a yeah. finish because you didn't even know that it wasn't supposed I to happen. I had no idea. Yeah, so so yeah, there you go. Uh, but that transitions perfectly to the next stage of Batista. One year later, Batista is in the main event of WrestleMania, the best WrestleMania of all time. I said it, WrestleMania twenty one. Uh, it, the main event, Triple H against Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. Evan, tell the people how we got here. We got here because in one of the most fun Royal Rumbles of all time, 2005, uh, Batista was the winner. Uh, there was originally the the, the on the fly and then, you know another messed up finish uh, where both John Cena and Batista hit the ground at the same time. Referees did a great job of selling it and arguing for their own brand to have won. A great uh, job. So, a funny story about that. I just heard, uh, I, I just randomly, I was going through my little YouTube thing inside the or inside the t- the ropes. I believe is the the YouTube account. Uh, he was doing an interview with Edge, and Edge told a funny story about that because most people don't know Edge was the third to last guy. You know, and, and with that, he gets thrown over the top rope, um, and he's telling the story like he's walking up the ramp. 
And he turns around and he sees the finish, but they hit at the exact same time. Uh, and he says it clean as day. They hit at the exact same time. Like he you says, couldn't you have can't... hoped for a better hit. Yeah, you couldn't have hoped. Like it was the exact same time. Uh, and, and he sees Vince coming out, and he says flat out, "Vince is not an athletic man." Uh, he goes, uh, "Vince is strong. He can weight lift, but like you would never pick Vince in a basketball game." You know, he he's not a mobile guy. Let's play some none hopes. of that. Damn it! Um, <laughs> he's he's not he's not any of that. But like, you know, he he says that Vince does the thing. He's just getting out of the way. Ed, Edge just moves completely out of the way. He's avoiding Vince at all costs. He I think he said he went through a different exit to get to the back. Um, and yeah, I know he he's just there. Uh, and Vince, you know, obviously does the thing where he he gets into the ring he stands up and just collapses he does the whole spiel from his feet uh because he tore both of his quads uh getting into the ring he 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 tears one getting in and then he tears the second one trying to stand up once he's in the ring so boom boom both quads the chairman of the wwe um yeah (laughs) so from there, the match is restarted, and Batista wins because he was supposed to be the winner. Um, yes. And then now Batista has a choice to make. He's still a part of Evolution at this point, uh, and he has to decide whether he's going to challenge Triple H, his fellow Evolution member at WrestleMania, or if he's going to move over to SmackDown to make it a triple threat, I believe, JBL and John Cena for the WWE Championship. And Triple H and Ric Flair... No, are- uh, so at this point, actually, it's not JBL and John Cena... It's still, uh, it, it would have just been Batista, JBL. Okay. Uh, because Cena gets the match, because I, I believe it's no way out. He goes uh, against Angle, Kurt Angle. I think it's a one-on-one. Right, Cena has to earn the and match. And then he earns the that match. That makes sense. Uh, to get that makes in. makes sense. Yes, that is how that so worked out. It would have been Batista, JBL. Um, Evolution has been... Uh, making fun of Batista behind his back. They have been calling him dumb. They have been saying that they can manipulate him, this being Triple H and Flair. And Batista heard him because, of course he heard them. That's how wrestling works. Uh, and so when it came to the contract signing, uh, Batista initially picked up the SmackDown contract and gave a big thumbs up to Triple H. And that quickly turned to a big thumbs down. And... Batista then wrecked everything. He powerbombed Batista bombed Triple H. I believe he took out Flair too. Uh, and there was he signed the Raw contract, and so we had our main event for WrestleMania uh, with a, a newly liberated, newly babyfaced Batista, the most over guy in Triple the company, H and Ric Flair. He was so incredibly over because I think people were so incredibly sick of Triple H. Yeah. Um, it's also important to note, uh, Batista didn't get to this position without a little bit of luck. You know, uh, at the end of, towards the end of the, of the previous year, uh, it was really just set up to be Randy Orton and Triple H. I believe the, 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 the way it was supposed to work out was the way it worked out, um, where Orton and, uh, Triple H would have the original feud and then Orton would turn around 
win the the Royal Rumble and then go on to WrestleMania to challenge and you know beat Triple H. That's the way it was set up. You know, it makes a lot of sense in the storyline. You know, Orton won the title at SummerSlam, gets turned on by Evolution. You know, loses the belt back there. Um, but the thing with Orton was he never. And, and it's still like that to this day. He never really worked as a babyface. Um, oh, no. He does not work as a babyface. He just doesn't work as a babyface. The people weren't with him at all, um, which really allowed Batista to sort of slide into that position, you know, because he was the one that people really started focusing on when Orton didn't work out. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, he got there with because of that. And, you know, obviously he took the ball and he ran with it. And, and you see what happens. He becomes the guy. He's main eventing WrestleMania. He's the one that beats Triple Triple H, and he's the one that's really given the ball to run with. Him and John Cena there. It's wild to think. It's wild to think that Batista just a year ago was really the the heavy in a, a stable tag team match. It was still a high profile yeah. match, but not necessarily you know that level. That amount of growth in a year from a performer is unheard of. Really, yeah. I mean, it's especially someone so young. You yeah. don't really see that, and like, like young you know, in it, terms of wrestling career. Not he wasn't a young a spring yeah. chicken. We talked about that before, but you know, still so early on in the career. Yeah, it's like at least you know the thing with John Cena. Like it, at WrestleMania twenty, he's the opening match beating the Big Show for the United States Championship. So it's conceivable what that at, by the next WrestleMania he could be in the position to beat JBL for the WWE Championship. You know, Batista's the fifth most important guy in a in a handicap tag match with two of the biggest stars that the business has ever seen. Like he's just he's the throwaway young guy in his own group. You know, he he's not really focused on it at all. So for him to go from that to main event of WrestleMania against the most hated guy that the WWE's really had in the last ten years at that point is kind of mind-blowing, and it's also a testament to his ability to have that it factor, to really draw the the crowd in with him. And even though he's, again, he's not a spring chicken as far as the his in-ring work goes, and he's not the greatest uh, person on promos, but he's his thing always that I liked about Batista, especially in this phase, was the facial reactions. Uh, the way he's able to to mix in his his looks, where he's able to go from happy to sad, you know, he did the thumbs up, thumbs down thing, and that really became a part of his gimmick for the rest of his run uh, before coming back there um, in 2014. It's weird to think of what things will get over and what will catch on. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought like that Stone Cold Steve Austin down? could get what over? Like, uh, who would have thought that? You know, it, it's obviously become and bad a promos have hated him for it since then yeah it's obviously been a thing that that has turned negative uh with the wrestling audience but who would have thought that would be a thing that got over you know it's really interesting to see what what gets over and what doesn't and it, it just is again it's a testament to batista as far as talent goes where he just had the it factor he was gonna get there no matter what because the crowd just got behind him he was put in a good position and he took the ball and he ran with it a couple things about this WrestleMania match. It's a WrestleMania main event, so of course Triple H has a funky little fun entrance because that's what he gets. And this time it's Motorhead, and they were great. Uh, I thought it was an excellent entrance. Uh, Batista's entrance, he does not have the iconic, 
yeah scream at the beginning as of this point, and I was so let down. Yes, watching Battle of the Brands between Xavier Woods and Tyler Breeze on YouTube has made given me a new affinity for Batista's entrance music. But still, there's a little bit of like waiting for that yeah. Because when it happens, it's like, it's Batista time. Like, you're just ready. You're just excited. And so when it didn't happen, it was kind of like, oh, wait, huh? And I got very sad. Um, I said it was tragic. Just tragic. But, you know, the start of the match, pretty even. I think there's a certain story they were telling. They laid it out pretty clearly on commentary that it was going to be Triple H's smarts and his kind of in-ring savvy versus Batista's pure power. Yeah. It's also, like, here, I'll, I'll show you guys what this match is really like. Think literally any Triple H WrestleMania match. This is the match. I mean, it's the match you get the next year in the main event against John Cena. It's the match you got against Roman at 32. It's the match you got against uh, Orton at in 2009. I forget what Mania that is. You know, it's, it's a Triple H main event. You know, it's going to go 20-plus minutes. It's going to be him getting beat down for a bit of it. Then it's going to be him on top for a lot of it. There's going to be some interference. Obviously, we in this match, we have Ric Flair on the outside. Um, who's great. Yeah, Rick, who's, Rick does such a great job. Rick is amazing. I love old man Ric Flair for the simple fact that, you know, he doesn't need to wrestle. He's just awesome on his own just being Ric Flair because Ric Flair in and of itself is the perfect character to have because you can't, like, mess it up. You can, there's nothing you can do to as Ric Flair to, to be bad. It doesn't matter whether he's wrestling, he still has the, the mic chops. It doesn't matter whether he can't, he doesn't have it on mics, he's still in it with his antics. Like, Ric Flair is just awesome. I, I mean, I mean, I will, I will bring up the whole kissing Becky Lynch against her will thing from the Royal Rumble a couple years ago as like, that's a rate of us to not like Ric. But like this iteration of Ric Flair, mwah, chef's kiss, so good. Yes, I mean, Ric Flair, even nowadays, I mean, he'll come out with his little mannerisms. I'm not going to give him, say the thing with Re- with Becky was was acceptable, but, you know, he's out there, he's doing his little strut, you're doing it now, I'm doing it now, just keep little shoulder pads. I don't get it. Woo! You know, it's beautiful. You just love Ric Flair, you have to love him. Uh, he's great in this match, and he's important in this match, because, you know, he's the guy who's tag team champions with Batista. When they held all the gold, you know, he's the guy who's really with Batista in that. Batista will credit Ric Flair with a lot of his progression in the business. And that's to be expected because Ric Flair is one of the greatest in-ring workers of all time. He's one of the greatest promos of all time. He's one of the greatest characters of all time. You know, he to be able to be one of the best of all time in all facets of wrestling is kind of incredible. Ric Flair is an absolute icon. Um, and, and it was all very important for him to be in this match because it's very clear that he had an influence on Batista and his whole wrestling uh, being. What are some of the moments in this match that stood out to you? Um, when My favorite moment of this match is when Triple H is like bleeding. Um, and, and then he's he gets busted open because, of course, he does. Um, and, and then he is on his knees. And he's sort of just like slumped up. He's doing the Triple H thing. You know what it is if yeah, you're listening to this. You can all picture it in your mind. 
you can all picture it in your mind whether he's standing or he's on his knees or whatever he's doing the thing where he like hunches his back a bit but he's like leaning backwards and he's just like sucking in his gut and he's just looking like he's just out of it completely um and batiste just comes up behind him and he just starts reeling with bunches i love that um there was also a spine buster that he hits uh it, it doesn't lead to the finish it's just somewhere in the middle of the match that he just picks up uh triple h and he just drops him he just like drops it he does not it's not your uh regular you know spine buster that you see like triple h hit where it's it just looks clean it's not even a regular spine buster that you see batista hit where it looks clean he just picks him up drop done that's it i just love batista in this match because he just it's very clear that he wanted to work a bit stiff um because triple h probably wanted it that way and it's really clear to see that triple h sort of had the in-ring uh control over the match as far as like planning it out and all that you definitely could see his uh influence in this but like batista played his part greatly i mean he did everything that he needed to do to get the crowd on his side and when he does uh inevitably get the the win you know everyone chants you know it's all about batista here and the match was really all about batista you know because no matter what triple h did no matter what little underhanded tactic no matter what Uh, thing he did you know it was always about Batista you know being just too much for him he was just too dominant of a force Batista was going to be able to to take him out no matter what underhanded tricks you know Ric Flair on the outside or Triple H would would do Um, at one point there's a ref bump Flair interferes and gets spine bustered to death Uh, and then Triple H hits Batista with the title shot, and people, I think, immediately thought, well, like, this is how Trips is going to win. Because uh, that was very in line with how Evolution would win, how Triple H had retained his title. how he beat title. Goldberg. Yeah, exactly, how he retained his title before. Uh, but the kick out when Batista kicks out gets a really big pop. Like, the fans are really invested at that point. Uh, the finish, reversal of the pedigree by Batista, something we don't see often. Okay. Yeah, it's a very it's very important to describe it's a weird this because it's not your typical no. pedigree kick out. Yeah, so Triple H is going for the pedigree, uh, or sorry, not kick out, uh, reversal. Um, and yeah, he's going for it, and he's like, he got some, he has him hooked up. So typically, what happens is he just gets flipped over there, like right away. But he like attempts it, and when he does this little jump, he can't go. He just like stops, and he, he's like. You don't know what happens that first time. Because it's like, why didn't he just do the thing? But then his face gets all like, what? So he tries it again, doesn't go. And that's when you realize Batista's blocking him from doing so. But it doesn't make sense that he's blocking him from doing so. Until really he does it the third time. And you see Batista's arms kind of like clench in a bit. And then you see him like sort of stiffen up a bit and that's when you really realize oh this guy's just way too strong <laughs> like he can't lift him up because he's not going to come off the ground it's the ultimate display of what the, what they've been trying to tell the whole match which is like triple h is trying to do this this technical move that he does all the time and batista is legitimately just too strong for him to do this move to him um and then right after that pedigree reversal it's a batista bomb and boom it's over match is over um I think Triple H often gets uh, a lot of heat for not putting the right people over, right? You think about Booker T, 
You think about that Goldberg match we already referenced. Um, Randy Orton. Here, Triple H did the right thing. He put the, the right man won. The right man went over. I think it might be easier because from what I can tell in all accounts, Triple H and Batista are friends. They clearly rode together in Evolution. I think it might be easier for him to put over a guy like Batista. Plus, the fans were making it so you really couldn't not put over Batista. You had to do it. So, it was the right call and a really good end to, as you have said, the best WrestleMania of all time. A great WrestleMania. Like, just everyone who's going to say it's WrestleMania 17 or whatever or 31 or, or whatever people think is the best WrestleMania ever, just, like, look back at that card. There are no real stinkers on that one. It's just such a good card. You know, it made new stars. It had some freaking hilarious backstage stuff that went down. The legends are everywhere. You know, it's just really cool. It's really entertaining to watch. I love this, man. This is my first real WrestleMania that I saw. It's the first one that I was super invested in. So, obviously, it holds more of a sentimental thing with me. Um, because I was really invested in Batista and John Cena. You know, I was really invested in that Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels match. There, there was a lot of stuff there that was really uh, hit home with me. Um, but yeah, no, I love this whole pay-per-view. I still, I will always think it's the best WrestleMania of all time. Because there's just so much in there that's so good. Like, really, go back and watch this thing. Because it's it's amazing. My favorite WrestleMania is 19. Um, Le- Lesnar Angle, Rockstone Cold, Triple uh, H Booker T. Yeah, which is the the only real wrong decision I think on the whole. Michael's card. Jericho, Michael's Jericho, and my boys, Team Angle versus Benoit and Rhino <laughs> and Los Guerreros on the main card. My boys made the main card. You love to see. So it. Survivor Series two thousand seven. Uh, uh, Yes, that's where we're going next. Survivor Series 2007. It is Batista versus The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, um, this is... I like the way they built up this match. Because you really see it in the promo package. uh, Just sort of how important this match really was. Um, These two guys... These two guys uh, met at WrestleMania this year. Did they not? Um... 2007 WrestleMania would be, what, 23? I believe so. That's worth a Google. Yeah, so the I believe these guys met at WrestleMania, which was when Batiste... So, in the promo... Yes, this, this pack, is the one where they, they met at WrestleMania. Yeah, so it's very important to highlight in the, that the video package is very much sent uh, around the fact that Batista couldn't beat The Undertaker. He lost at WrestleMania... Um, but then he does beat him. He beats him at Cyber Sunday. It's the first win Batista ever had on The Undertaker. Um, and you would think, oh, he got his win. Over and done with with the program. Nope, The Undertaker comes back. They're knotted up at 1 1. Batista's cutting a promo. He's like, you know, we're even in my book. The Undertaker comes out. He's like, Batista, one more. And Batista goes, you want a, ma- you want a, uh, a title match? You got it. And he goes to leave. Undertaker, in his little dead man draw, goes, Wait. Hell in a cell. 
And then it's just like, oh, okay, so they're having a Hell in a Cell match. But he doesn't even get a response in the video package. Very weird. Uh, the match is just set up because The Undertaker apparently has creative control over all Undertaker of this. Undertaker has the ability to just summon Hell in a Cell. He can just be like, I want this Hell in a Cell now. And boom, we have Hell in a Cell match. He did this. To be fair, th- if you think about the logistics of it, it's like, what's Vince McMahon going to say? No? To the Undertaker? No, no of course not. <laughs> it's like... So yeah, no, this this definitely goes in. They, they have their Hell in a Cell match set up. Also, Undertaker, you don't need a five-minute entrance every single time. You just don't... Like, it's Survivor Series. Like, you're, you're in Hell in a Cell. That's cool. Can you at least make it, like, three... Maybe four. I liked Undertaker's entrance uh, when he was doing the the contract signing with AJ Styles. He just ran out to the ring. Yeah, that's a great uh, a couple one. Weeks ago, like you know, the Undertaker entrance should really be, just be WrestleMania. It's yeah. like you can walk a little bit faster, Mark. You know <laughs> what are we doing, <laughs> Marcus? Walk faster. Um, before we get into this match, I want to do a quick one-off hit. What is your personal favorite Hell in a Cell match? Uh, the first one, the okay, the first yeah. uh, the first one is the Undertaker Shawn Michaels, uh, which is the one where Kane debuts. Yep, I thought it was a really fun match. It's a really good up match. until the Kane debut, and then Kane debuts, and obviously that's a big moment. That's what leads to the finish. But yeah, no, it was really well worked match. Uh, there was a good story behind it with the Undertaker and DX, um, specifically Shawn Michaels, obviously, and that obviously leads to the Royal Rumble match that they the ha- they had against each other where. You know, uh, Sean breaks his back on the casket and all that stuff. But I thought that Hell in a Cell match was great. One of my what's yours? One of my personal favorites, just because of who's involved, is the New Day Usos tag Hell in a Cell. I thought they did a really good job. Um, but my favorite one to just like throw on and watch ever is the Armageddon Six Man Hell in a Cell. It's just chaos. It's so fun. Where it's like the Taker. Rock Angle Rikishi, who falls off, who gets tossed off the top of the cell into a back of a truck. That's yeah, full isn't of it hay. like hay? Yeah, yeah. It is pure anarchy the entire time. Uh, a couple years ago, I went back and rewatched all of the Smackdowns and pay per views from the year two thousand, and they are a hoot. Two thousand is probably the best overall year for pay per views in WWE. But I, I would digress. say 2000's overall the best year for WWE ever. Yeah. Period. Yeah, you're probably Full right. Full stop. Um, all right, into the match. Uh, the first thing I have written down has nothing to do with the match, because of course it doesn't. How does Batista always manage to get that little goatee to be perfectly in the center of his face? He does a really good job. That's an <laughs> underrated skill. As someone who has facial hair and tries to make it balanced, sometimes it just doesn't look balanced. The fact that it's always in the middle, underrated skill of Mr. Dave. You know, I thought job. I was going to have the the facial hair thing, but it's not for this match. It's for the next one. Okay. Uh, but, like, yeah, I t- I'm thinking back on it now. He does have it perfectly centered in his face. And it's, like, the perfect shape and size, too. It's it's really interesting. He's either, he's either got a good barber... Or he's a very talented man. And even if he has a good barber, he's a smart enough man to know he should go to a barber. (laughs) 
apparently easy, easy peasy i want the record to show that evan not smart enough to go to a barber correct i i am not that that is true especially now um all right let's let's hop in to the actual match what were your kind of favorite parts from from the beginning or some of your most memorable moments in this match yeah um the the beginning starts off a bit slow um, which which you would kind of expect between these guys. I mean, you know, Undertaker's a big dude, Batista's a big dude, so it makes sense for them to sort of go back and forth yeah. as far as the, the power stuff goes in the beginning of the match. But when, you know, weapons start getting involved here with steel chairs and all that jazz is when it really starts picking up and when it starts getting hot. I mean, you know, obviously later on in the match there's the steel steps that get introduced and all that jazz. Um, but I think when the when the elements of Hell in a Cell really starts playing the role when when you know they're outside and the Undertaker's rubbing and banging Batista's face on the steel cage, um, and all that really starts happening is when this match really starts to pick up, because otherwise, you know the the Cyber Sunday match I remember that match honestly from memory. Um, it was one of the, the those random matches that I saw. Um, you know it, it's it's. It's really slow, it's really methodical, and then it starts picking up. But you don't really see how they can sort of go above and beyond in just a straight singles match. So it, I think that's really why Hell in a Cell was important to this. Because in order for these guys to really show out, they kind of needed it. I mean, they had the singles match at Mania. They had the singles match at Cyber Sunday. There's only so much you can do. So when... The logical progression is to some sort of gimmick, right? Yeah, and let's just... Give them the most extreme one of them all with the yeah. big steel cage. I think you're right, though. Once the weapons get involved, this match really picks up. The one spot that really stood out to me with the weapons was Taker driving Batista's throat into the chair on the outside. And it actually makes Batista bleed from yeah. the mouth. And just, ouch, it was fast and it looked like it... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i don't i obviously don't know how to take bumps right but i don't know how you take that without it actually hurting you yeah. like it's a steel chair to the throat like it has to have sucked um, yeah, it looked like it sucked also there's a really good spot early on Undertaker's going for old school in the ring, and Batista just pulls him down for a spine buster. Great. I love that level of like, you know, it's this far into the feud. I know your moves, you know mine, so I'm going to be able to counter. And it makes sense for Batista's counters to not necessarily look technical, but just like, hey, you're kind of in a spine buster position right now. And boom, down you go. Yeah. It, it just makes sense. I mean, I feel like the ultimate example of that. 
you know, uh, in the WWE context, because we know the ultimate example of that is Tanahashi Okada over in New Japan. But the real perfect example of that was the uh, AJ Styles John Cena feud from a couple of years ago, where, you know, by the third yeah. match, they were just like reversing everything. Uh, that that they had, which was really cool, and, and is really what made that their matches uh, really special, especially that Royal Rumble match that they had, uh, where Cena matched Flair for for the title, uh, um, you know, times winning the title. Um, it, it, yeah, they did that a lot. Um, it, it was really cool here because this match was really between two baby faces, but the real underlying secret that WWE had. Uh, during the 2006 to like 2008 run with the Undertaker, he was a heel masquerading as a babyface. I mean, the guy was—you put him in there with with a with Edge, and obviously, you know, he's the babyface by default because Edge is the biggest heel in wrestling at this point. But like when he's going up against a Batista, or he's going up against uh, a Shawn Michaels, or or like a like a a Rey Mysterio, like he's the heel, 100%. I mean, he has to be. Yeah. Batista throat straight into a steel chair. Like, that's some diabolical stuff right there. Like, that's some stuff that heels do. You know, he's... His actions, you know, he loses at Cyber Sunday, and the first thing he does, I want a rematch. Yeah. Like, you know, it's... It, it's a lot of Undertaker really being a heel, but it doesn't matter, because he's the Undertaker, so he's a babyface. A heelish thing that Batista does at one point is he's in the corner with Undertaker and he just bites the top of his head and Taker just kind of responds by hitting him with the last ride because, you know, he's in position. Why not? Um, one big kick out, I would say, in this, and that's Taker flipping Batista onto Steel Steps, Tombstone, kick out at like 2.8, really. Yeah. Uh, a good kick out. But uh, then we get into the, the finish. You want to go into the finish already? Yeah, the finish. Um, the there's there's a cameraman outside who does not look like a proper cameraman. Oh wait, it's Edge. <laughs> Edge and Undertaker obviously had their massive feud uh, during the summer, pretty much for like a whole year. Um, uh, and you know it. it leads obviously eventually to the the wrestlemania match in 2008 um i believe it was the main event right yeah yeah it was the main event of wrestlemania undertaker and edge um and and you know the this is really sort of what kicks it back off because undertaker and edge had sort of gone their separate ways i believe SummerSlam was when that Ed- edge sort had been of hurt and so this is his return to wrestling Oh, yeah. yeah. He'd been out injured uh, for a couple of months. Okay, yeah. I believe it was SummerSlam, though, the last time that the feud really, air quotes, ended. Um, but, but yeah, no, the, they they did their thing. Edge is a cameraman. He hits Undertaker with a camera, uh, which, I mean, that just has to suck to take, no matter what. Like, because you still have to, even if you're, like, you know, working the thing, you still have to... There's supposed to be contact. You still have to get hit with a camera. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't see how any sort of contact, even the slightest bit, doesn't suck. Yeah, you know, and yeah, Edge does that. Undertaker's really out of it, and this is where it gets weird because there's like a solid two, two and a half minutes before the next part happens, and the Undertaker is sort of like getting up to his feet, and he's like working the thing. Uh, Edge puts him on the on the steel steps. 
grabs a chair and like he so edge like forces his head down on the steel steps but he doesn't hit his head on the steel steps he just sort of like places it there and the Undertaker just he's dead like he just doesn't move whatsoever even though he was already stirring before this happened um and then edge hits him it's like a concerto but not really it's with the steel steps so it's even more vicious um and that's kind of the end of it oh wait no because the steel the steel cage comes up after batista wins the match also spoiler batista wins the match yeah edge pulls batista onto the onto the undertaker and he wins and the ref doesn't want to count it but he does um and then edge also eventually is the person who takes the title from batista it's a a very weird weird thing but it's a very weird dynamic uh but hell in a cell like the cage is risen you think, oh, no, it's kind of over. Nope, Edge is back. He starts beating on The Undertaker again. Um, again, Edge was fantastic. Oh, my boy, Edge. From, like, 2006 to, like, when he tears his Achilles in 2009. Like, he was just on fire as a character, as a heel, all that jazz. Um, and, and, yeah, no, this feud with The Undertaker was really, like, the feud for like an entire year year and a half i mean it was it was hot they had so many matches with each other but it didn't matter because every single time it was good because these guys were on like undertaker from 2006 to like 2013 was just peak in ring Mm -hmm. work it was every single match almost aside from the great Khali stuff and the feud in 2010 with kane it was all good in ring stuff you know, and, you know, it, it, it was just really fun. And his feud with Edge was was really good. And it kind of sucks that it kind of overshadowed the feud with Batista here. Because the feud of Batista... But the match was, was, the match was brutal and good. Yeah. Yeah. The, and the feud itself was great. It, it was basically just a competitive thing. Batista was the top guy on SmackDown. And The Undertaker wanted to be the top guy. And that was it. That was the story. It's a good... It's a simple story. And it's a good story when you tell it right. And I think they were doing a good job here. Um, with that, we will move on to the fourth match, but we will get to that match after a quick commercial break. So, hopping back into it, we're at Bragging Rights 2009. Now, this is the wild card pick. This is the match that, when I looked up, you know, what are some underrated Batista matches, this one came up a lot. It is a fatal four-way for the World Heavyweight Championship, and it is the champion Undertaker, Versus Batista, versus Rey Mysterio, versus CM Punk. Now, quickly, and without any reasoning given, rank these four guys in terms of your top, like your favorite guy to your least favorite guy. Go. All right, everyone's going to hate me for this. So my favorite guy in this group is Batista. um, Because I'm a big Batista guy. Uh, My second favorite is The Undertaker. Because... Okay. I mean, that just has to be understandable. My third favorite is CM Punk, especially this CM Punk right here, uh, which we'll get to in a bit. And then it's Rey Mysterio. And I'm sorry, Ray, I love you, but like you're just the fourth in this situation. That is fair. Mine goes probably Punk, Undertaker, Batista, Mysterio. Mysterio and Batista are like almost a tie for third. Where they're both valuable, but I just have more affinity to Undertaker and Punk. But anyways, into the actual match. I know you have never seen this match before. I had never seen this match before. What were your thoughts coming in with a fresh set of eyes to this Fatal 4-Way? I thought it was fun. 
Um, just a little. It's a really fun match. Yeah, just a little recap. Um, for, before the match here for everyone, like the basically the story of this is, so CM Punk was the Money in the Bank holder, um, and, and Jeff Hardy had won the championship, and he basically. Was this the Jeff Hardy one? Yes, this was the Jeff Hardy one. Jeff Hardy, I believe, beats out Edge. Uh, where When he gets Edge stuck in the ladder when they're having their, their crazy match. Um, and, and then he, he wins the belt. And then immediately CM Punk cashes in. Yep. Ultimate heel move. Um, because I believe that's when he turns heel. And then this, this kicks off the really fun CM Punk heel run. Right before the straight Edge stuff where he's just... A chicken s word heel, and you know he's just awesome in this role because it's CM Punk. He's a great talker. He's a great wrestler, and now he has a real character because up to this point, he's just sort of CM Punk. He doesn't actually have a character, but this is when he gets a really defined role and defined character. And I really enjoy this whole run he has. And then eventually that leads to he beats off uh, Jeff Hardy. That feud is over. And then he sort of starts his feud with The Undertaker, uh, where The Undertaker obviously beats him because it's the Undertaker. Uh, he doesn't think that CM Punk is a top guy because CM Punk doesn't wear a suit. <laughs> That's the actual story there. He, he took the belt from CM Punk because he doesn't think he's a top guy because he doesn't wear suit. And then Mysterio and Batista get added because these two are BFFs at the time. Yeah, and they're kind of like a pseudo tag yeah, team, but not really. They're just kind of looking out for one another, and they're both, you know, trying out to see if they can become world champion. And they're early on, they kind of do work together in this match. A couple early spots I really liked. One is Batista taunting too long and gets booted by the Undertaker. Love that. Uh, another is Batista actually saves Mysterio from getting hit with the last ride. Yeah, because it's showing how good of a team they were and the fact that they would actually look out for one another. Yeah. But the first thing that I written down about this whole match was like, there's a good pace to this. A lot of multi-man matches can sometimes get lost in like setting up spots or just two guys actually wrestling in the ring, other guys just being around. Early on in this match especially, there's a good pace and a lot of actual wrestling happening at the same time. Yeah, that that it, it's that's my favorite things uh, about having these multi-man matches where if it works, it really works. You know, yeah. the usually what you do, what you would have is like two guys be the focal in the middle while everyone's just sprawled out outside. But there's a lot of stages in this match where it's two guys going at it and then the other two guys are going at it. Um, and, and they sort of, it, it's obviously hard to capture that as far as the camera stuff goes, but they did a pretty good job of doing so. Um, obviously, we get back to the traditional formula where it's just usually two guys or maybe a third guy sort of added into the mix. Uh, for a short bit, but like, yeah, no, it, it works a lot in this match, and I think what really helps is that all these guys are over. Yeah, you know, CM Punk is over, very over. I mean, he got, the, I think he got the loudest reaction um, when, when they were doing the announcements. Uh, uh, admittedly, a lot of it was booze because he is, he the, is yeah. the most hated man in WWE because he retired Jeff Hardy. But like, yeah, the, a lot of this stuff is is. It's still reactions. I mean, Ray got the least amount of reactions, and he still got a pretty good pop. Yeah. Batista got a loud pop in this. Which is strange, because I think this was near on the tail end where Batista as a babyface was getting a little old. It was very stale at this point. Yeah. 
But, yeah, no, there, there's a lot of good little elements in this match. Uh, my favorite part of this match actually comes a little bit after when he saves... I believe it's just after he saves Mysterio from the from the last ride is when he sets up The Undertaker with Spine Buster. He goes for the pin. Mysterio breaks it up. And then uh, that's when Batista sort of just face shoves him down and out of the ring. <laughs> I love it because Mysterio not only breaks up the pin, he tries to steal the pin. And he tries to pin uh, The Undertaker. And then Batista breaks that up and is like, what What are you, what are you doing? And they have a little, like, little argument. trying to be champion. little friendly <laughs> argument. Uh, and then you're right, Batista just palms Mysterio's head and tosses him out of the ring. Um, later on in the match, Batista catches Mysterio midair and launches him onto Punk on the outside. Which is like, hmm, you don't normally do that to your friends. So that's... That's a pretty telling sign, I'd say. Yeah, a fun spot uh, earlier on in this match is actually so when I think Mysterio is going for a pin and then Punk breaks it up and then he grabs Mysterio and he like slides him out of the ring and Mysterio does that really fun spot that I love that he does when he slides underneath the, the belly bottom flop rope. splash. Yeah, and, and then he just like lands outside face first. It's amazing. I love that spot. It sucks to take probably. But he, like he's not a heavy guy, so it's probably not as bad for him to do. But like it, it's just so fun. I love that man, that spot. Uh, later in the match, uh, pretty much right after Batista launches Mysterio, uh, it's actually a tombstone from Undertaker to Batista, and Undertaker retains, ending the match. But more importantly, getting us to the most important part of this match, which is what happens immediately after. Yeah. Josh Matthews. The most important part of this match is Josh Matthews. No, it's not. Um, He comes into the ring to interview uh, Mysterio and Batista about how they feel after the match, which is already suspicious because this never happens. Um, And Mysterio talks about how they were close, but they just couldn't get it done. And aw, shucks, I'll try again next time. Listen, weren't we close there, Dave? And Batista snaps. And he snaps so well. Batista says, we weren't close. I was close. It's the heel turn match. This is why everybody on the internet was suggesting it to us. Yeah, I, so when we were watching, when I was watching the match, I was like, and I saw the face push thing, I was like, oh, this is, this leads to the the heel turn eventually. I thought it was in like a week or a couple weeks after this match. Or a month. Yeah. Like later on. Yeah, I did not think it was directly after the match. It was so fun. You have some issues with the promo delivery. So I'm going to let you get into that because I thought it was fun fun even if it wasn't the most well acted thing i've ever seen so my real problem isn't really as much with the batista side because there's not much for him to really do i mean it, it, it makes a lot of sense for him to deliver it the way he does the guy's going crazy he's out of breath i mean he's the one that lost the match yeah he got tombstone uh, you know it's the Rey mysterio side of it that really hurts me. Also, like Josh Matthews just made me completely sour to it. Josh Matthews, if for some <laughs> reason you're listening to this podcast, just know me, Javier, I hate you. You suck. <laughs> like, but like, yeah, no, like he's, I am, I am an actual journalist. I do the sports writing thing. Like I am a sports reporter. Those interviews, that interview sucked. 
Like, that, those were bad questions. The delivery was bad. You're not really... You don't fish like that. Like, even the real model for this would be Joe Rogan in the UFC, and Joe Rogan was infinitely better than he is. And Joe Rogan's a freaking comedian, man. Like, And he is better at this than Josh Matthews, for sure. Yeah, who's actually, like, trained in this and is actually, like, an announcer now. Like, come on, dude. So... Be better. The One of the weirdest parts about it, in terms of the delivery has nothing to do with Josh Matthews. Batista says so matter-of-factly, I'm going to rip your head off. And Ray is uh, just standing there. Ray still. doesn't evacuate the premises. If anyone... He doesn't move your, at all. <laughs> even your best friend says, I'm going to rip your head off, in that tone, that calmly, you're going to die, son. So, like, get out of... He's like four times yeah, your get size. Get out of there. Uh, Batista grabbing Mysterio by the face and screaming you're supposed to be my friend that's good inject that directly directly into my veins that's some good stuff right there uh, he absolutely ragdolls Mysterio around he would actually beat Mysterio at Survivor Series by referee stoppage yeah it, it's bad I love this heel run by Batista by the way because this sort of leads to the Hollywood Batista later on in oh. his his feud with John Cena, and that's the one that that that's the money character that that guy had. The fact that his run should, should we get into those promos? We'll get to it in a sec. I need to mention the facial hair thing. Oh, Ray yeah. Mysterio. <laughs> what is that? Like he, I know Ray Mysterio has his little patch on his chin, the little goatee thing. Yes, but it's like knotted up. And it kind of just looks like a lollipop that you'd get from the dentist. I don't understand what he's doing there. It's it's <laughs> disgusting. He needs to go to the Batista barber because that's what I need to understand. <laughs> the Batista barber. I'm so I hate that we didn't get that gimmick. Batista. Yeah, that's what we needed. It was another Brutus the barber beefcake. Uh, let's crack into the promos. So we're going to lump the two promos together, really, because there are two promos that really show this good Hollywood Batista. The first one is uh, a promo kind of battle with John Cena ahead of WrestleMania 26. Yes. Uh, and the, the latter is the heel turn Batista on his return uh, ahead of WrestleMania 30, where he gets confronted by Dolph Ziggler. Uh, of all people. Of all people. Because this it, WrestleMania 30 is when he came back as a face, and it was horribly received by everybody. And eventually, he became good old Bootista, and his kind of framework for that was this Hollywood heel character that he had uh, against John Cena. Do you know why? And have you heard about Batista wearing sunglasses during his promos? I don't actually. What do you know the reason? So I've read this a couple times online. Apparently, Batista despite being somebody who's like a pretty social guy and is a good you know good person for remembering lines still would get nervous at the size of the crowd when it came to saying things so he would wear sunglasses because it was easier for him to not see as many people or to not see the crowd and he could focus on what he was saying and, and who he was talking to so a lot of his heel character promos it became a lot easier for him because it was you know douchier to wear sunglasses inside yeah so he would just wear the sunglasses and cut the promos yeah. um but I've, I've read that a couple times and in both of these promos he's wearing sunglasses yeah uh this this is really a, a good batista here because he's sort of telling it how it is you know he he says 
Uh, especially in the, the, I'm sorry. So this is the the John Cena one that I'm yeah. talking about here. Um, yeah, he tells it how it is. You know, he's the WWE champion. He wanted this match against John Cena because, as he says, they are the two biggest stars since the Attitude Era ended. Um, and for some reason, the brass decided that John Cena was going to be the man, not Batista. And he wants to show John Cena, he wants to show the brass at WWE that he should have been the man. He is the man, and he is going to prove that by destroying John Cena at WrestleMania. And that alone is the perfect incentive. I mean, he's the heel, everyone knows he's the heel, but he's got a reason to want this match with Cena. And it sort of, it elevates Cena because it sort of, puts him on that the man pedestal but it also elevates batista because he's like it's yeah you're right he is one of the two biggest stars since the attitude era that like he's there and now i'm curious to see what's going to happen at wrestlemania because he's going up against the other guy and i love when heels have an objectively good reason to be upset and you can understand their thought process uh tying it back to marvel movies it's why Killmonger in Black Panther is such a good, you know, bad guy because you're like, I get what he's saying. Or I understand why he's doing it. Vulture in the the Spider-Man Homecoming. Vulture in Homecoming. Those are my yeah. two favorite villains when it comes to the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Same thing with Thanos, you could say. Yep. You know, that they, they have a great grasp at making villains because it's you give a bad guy a reason a good legitimate reason that the crowd or that the people watching could just be like, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. And that's where, yeah. that's where Batista is But don't is do here. it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Batista yeah. is here. Um, the one line I really loved in this promo is say something inspiring, John, we want to hear it because you know, John Cena loves his catchphrases. And I was like, Ooh, that just stings. Like it just, it's such a good little jab at Cena. Um, this was, Batista's last feud before leaving the company. Yeah, later uh, after WrestleMania, and I believe it's the first match that that they had. Right, the first pay per view after WrestleMania. I don't believe I don't remember what it was. It was a last man standing match, uh, and then Batista just gets flung off and into the electrical stuff with the AA. That's it. Yeah, never see him again until he comes back uh, ahead of the Royal Rumble uh, before WrestleMania 30. Comes back as a face, like we said, and that goes over like a lead balloon. Uh, and then this, uh, this is his official heel turn promo, um, where he's talking about where have all the real men gone, which is just really an extension of this Hollywood character, right? Like, look at me, I'm a star. He at one point strips off his shirt and asks if your heroes are as good as me, and like that just made me giggle. I love that. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and I thought it's really interesting because at this point, uh, the WrestleMania main event is him and Randy Orton. Yep. <laughs> Randy Orton, not exactly a small guy. And not exactly a baby Randy face Orton is either. actually taller than Batista. <laughs> he's also, I'm not gonna say he's just as strong as Batista, but if Batista's a hundred percent, Orton's probably like ninety three, ninety four percent of what Batista is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you don't really have an argument there, buddy. <laughs> and of course, Dolph Ziggler interrupts because this was when Dolph Ziggler was still a hot thing. Uh, he he says Jack a lot in this promo. Yeah. He's like, I got news for you, Jack. You're a dinosaur. And it's like, oh, that's that's not very good. So, 
the thing with Dolph Ziggler is, especially with his promos, is he's very hit or miss. Because, like, it's very clear that Dolph Ziggler is a good talker. But the issue with Dolph Ziggler is that sometimes he just doesn't really know what he's saying. Uh, and, And that's bad. Because, like, yeah, he's good with the delivery. You know, he, he's got some passion when he when he's got the fire underneath him. But, like, sometimes I just hit a promo where it's just a big dud. And I feel like that happens more often than not. Uh, like, you can tell he's got a good promo there. He's obviously gifted on the mic. But he just says things that's just, like, he thinks they're going to hit. But they never do. And obviously this Jack thing, like the dinosaur line was supposed to be like a ooh from the crowd. But it doesn't work. It just doesn't hit. The only good thing that Ziggler hits in this promo is a dropkick. And it's a good (laughs) dropkick. Yes. It's a good dropkick. Yeah. It's a great dropkick. One of the best dropkicks ever. This promo leads into the last match, which is an excellent match. And it's an excellent match that really isn't about Batista. It's about Batista as part of a of a group that's holding down one man, and that man is Daniel Bryan. WrestleMania 30 main event, Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan. I, 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 like, I almost don't want to lead with what are your thoughts on the match, because it's just, we know it's a good match. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent match. Um, it's, it's not the best match Daniel Bryan had, uh, that WrestleMania. Okay. I thought the opening match against Triple H is the best match uh, on the whole card. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think this gets a certain level of emotion out of me at the end yeah. that makes me forget how good the Triple H match was. Although I will say that in rewatching this, which is weird because I, I saw this match. Uh, this is the second time I saw it in like a week because they replayed WrestleMania 30 yeah. uh, on ESPN and I saw that. So I, I I managed to catch this and the match before this, which I forget it was the women's match. I think it was. Doesn't matter. Um, but like, yeah, this is is it was interesting to see because like you know, you know what happens, but they still get you, you know. <laughs> and I think that was the beauty of Daniel Bryan at this time was the fact. That he was so over and you were so emotionally invested in this guy that like anything other than Daniel Bryan winning the match was unacceptable. So when they, they like even like I know the finish, I know everything, but there were still some like close calls there, some, some, some count, you know, two counts that like really got me because I was like, holy crap, Batista's going to win this match. Or, holy crap, Randy Orton's going to win this match. I remember watching it and thinking, you know, WWE, if they if they know what's really the smart thing to do, they'll let Brian go over. But also, WWE would love to rip our hearts out. They, they do it all the time. So, what if they have Triple H win and they have an evolution triple threat? And I remember that was a legitimate fear for a lot of people going into the, ma- going into the night. Was it like, Daniel Bryan's not even going to make it to the main event. Like he's gonna he's gonna lose Triple H. I think once Brian got into the main event, a lot of people were like, "It's happening! It's happening!" Like they're they're all in on him. But you're right; there are still lots of points in this match that get me, that you know, sucker me in. Yeah. In terms of Batista's part of the match, um, 
what I wrote down was that he takes a lot of beating early in the match, but also him and Orton are pretty much a unit at the beginning of the match, too. Yeah, uh, so the thing that actually really was interesting to me is I expected a lot more uh, of Batista and Orton like going at each other. I didn't realize that it's not until kind of beyond the midway point of the match that Daniel Bryan gets taken out. Yeah. I thought it was... I always remember it being earlier in the match. Like, for some reason, like, within the first, like, five, seven minutes of the match that Daniel Bryan gets put through the table and and carted off. It's actually, like, within the last five minutes of the match that that happens. Yeah, it's all very quick. So, at one point, Bryan looks like he's going to win. And then, my notes verbatim... Triple H looking like Daddy Revival with his windbreaker and towel come out with the rest of, of the authority. Uh, and Mike Kyoto gets... How dare you disrespect Imperium like that? That is Imperium's uh, outfit. Uh, Kyoto gets pulled out of the match and crooked referee Scott Armstrong replaces him, which I forgot about the crooked referee part. Totally had slipped my mind. At least it wasn't a Hebner. <laughs> this is true. At least it wasn't a Hebner. Um, Brian kicks out of a Batista bomb and then Brian kicks Armstrong in the head while he's on the ground. Great. Good quality stuff. Always like kicking referees. Uh, but then that's when it's really the Orton and Batista team up is after this initial uh, interference from the authority. Yeah, and I did not remember Triple H's involvement in the main event at all. I genuinely, like, that was just completely out of my memory bank. Even though I'd seen the match like three, four times probably well before this viewing like so i i didn't watch this match like i wasn't watching wrestling when this match took place this was during my lapse phase so like i i I had to obviously go back and watch it because you know i i got really invested in daniel bryant when he came back um you know after his neck his, his original neck injury uh you know in that 2015 range um so i went back and watched this because obviously you know this was a this was a really important moment in wrestling history, you know, th- this guy winning the, the main event of WrestleMania 30. Um, it, and yeah, no, it, it was cool to see that all happening. I, I got really invested in it, even though I knew the results. Every single time I watch this match, I still get invested in it. And even though I know the result, there's always the one false finish that gets me. And it's when Batista, I believe... Uh, hits a Batista bomb on Randy Orton towards the end of the match. Norton kicks out, and I'm like, oh, thank God. He kicks out with, like, it was 2.9 when he kicked out. And I was like, oh, my God. One thing I'm a big fan of in this match is that instead of the stretcher job taking Brian out and then back into the arena, is that he doesn't even get past the the entrance ramp. Like, he pulls it off immediately. He's like, I'm still in this match. And he starts crawling back in. Because I think it takes something out if he were to, like, physically leave the space. I think that really takes people out of it when you stretch your job that way. We've seen it with Roman Reigns before where it's like he's literally resting. But Dana Bryan never leaves your, your sight. And you see him selling the whole time. I think that does a lot more good for the match by keeping him in and keeping him around. Um, but then, like we've said... It's really like boom, boom, boom right after that. it That happens really late in the match. And it really sets off the ending. Which is a really good ending. God, what a good ending. Yeah, um, I think what's really important about that stretcher part also is when you see... Since people aren't used to... When you see Daniel Bryan like shaking and, and sort of ripping his way out of the cart. 
uh, that's when the crowd really gets on their feet. Yeah. You know? That's when they really start coming alive. You hear the loud reaction. And this is a crowd that got all of its energy sucked out with The Undertaker losing earlier. And the fact that Daniel Bryant was able to get them back on their feet and back and alive for this is is incredible. You know, it's a testament to not only how over he was at this point, but just how invested people were in his story and in this storyline as a whole. Because that was the moment that really tipped you off to like, okay, this guy's actually going to win this match now, probably. You know, that's what you still don't, you're not fully behind it because you know it's WWE. You know, they really wanted this evolution storyline to really come to fruition, which I will say literally any other year could have worked. Like, yeah, that would have been really cool to be a main event. You know, you have your Batista, Randy Orton, Triple H thing. Like, that would have been really freaking cool, especially in 2009. Like, that's a missed opportunity. You already had Triple H and Randy Orton in the main event. Why not just throw Batista in there? Yeah. You know? But but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, no, this this was really really gets cool. Um, and, and I'll let you really describe the finish. Batista here. bomb by Batista on Orton, and Orton rolls out of the ring smartly. Out of nowhere, based on the camera angle, Brian hits the running knee and a yes lock, and then Michael Cole gives what is, in my opinion, the best call of his career. When he's just essentially yelling for Batista to tap out. And he's saying, Batista's going to tap, tap out. out. Is he going to do it? When he finally does, and he calls him the like the Miracle Kid, Miracle on Bourbon Street. The Miracle Kid! The Miracle Kid! It's a Miracle on Bourbon I, Street! growing up, despised Michael Cole. I thought he was a terrible announcer. This was all influenced by my older brother. Um, this is the best Michael Cole call of all time. Oh, undoubtedly. It is, it is genuine emotion. It is a great call in terms of what's actually being said. Uh, it adds to the moment without making it about Michael Cole. And God, the feeling of seeing Brian win. I could watch this match over and over again, and I, I'll always get a little, little little goose pimples. Yeah, when he goes over to his family, like his sister and his niece, and he's just there with the belts, like that just goosebumps every time like that's one of those things where like you can't really exit out uh you know the celebration lasts all of like somewhere between five and seven minutes something like that and you just can't exit out until the very end of it because like you're just so attached at this point you know it's like i watched the whole thing both times and i'd seen the match twice within a week you know it's like (laughs) Like, if Brie comes out and they have that special moment, it, it's just, it sends goosebumps up and down my spine, man. It, it's just really good. Uh, good on Daniel Bryant. You know, he deserved that moment. He really did. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, we can get more of those special moments. You know, I, I really, I really hate that these kind of things sort of happen every 10 years, like every 10 uh, WrestleManias, like it happened at twenty with the he who shall not be named and Eddie, you know it happened at ten with Bret Hart, you know it, it every ten WrestleManias it seems to to happen. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen at WrestleMania forty uh, in a couple of years. Here, let's fingers crossed that it's Pete Dunne finally getting his big title in the main event of WrestleMania. 
Um, I can't wait for WrestleMania 40 when in the main event it is the, the crowning of Humberto Carrillo. No, it's going to be Pete Dunne. We're not going to do this. <laughs> I, won't, I won't speak anything else into existence. It will be Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne will be the, the champion at WrestleMania 40. The people are going to be behind him. And that is that. Batista in this main event, a really good job overall in terms of what his role yeah. was. It's almost like a, a parallel to the first match we looked at at WrestleMania 20. He wasn't there to be the star. Yeah. In this instance, he was there to make the star. He was there to make sure that Daniel Bryan was cemented yeah. by you know taking all of the things that he had uh, earned, all that credit he had earned over the last decade, and bringing it into this match as like a credible, badass heel for Bryan to overcome. And I think he, he does a great job in terms of, you know, still fighting Randy Orton, but, you know, being one of the two big bad guys for Brian to overcome. I think he does an excellent job. Yeah, he does do an excellent job. Um, I thought he was just, I thought he was the, played the best role in the match. I thought as far as the, like, quality in ring work stuff goes, I thought Batista was the best in this match. I think he was the best one of the three. You know, he, he does things here like you know that the 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 stuff with Orton on the outside when when him and Orton are going at it you know I thought that was really well done I thought the stuff with Brian when he had his little solo one-on-ones with Brian were great uh when he's teaming up with Orton against Brian and they're just pounding him like I thought he just had like these little moments that were so influential to the match and just helped develop the story even more and it's really obvious that Batista just gets it at this point you know as far as the little character things the little in-ring things that help progress a story he was the perfect addition to this general story arc with Daniel Bryan because I feel like if it was just Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton it wouldn't have been as good it wouldn't have been as satisfying but the fact that Batista was thrown onto there no you're right and you know he's the the one that stole that Royal Rumble moment from Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan wasn't in that Royal Rumble. He didn't get that chance, you know? And they already told the story of Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton. They already did that. That was the Over and over, yeah. They had all those matches, and Orton would continuously win no matter what ha- would happen. But, like, to have this, it's like the two guys who kept stealing my opportunity, I still got it, and I won. Like, that, it's the checkmate of all checkmates. And, like, Good on Daniel Bryan for having this. Good on Batista for playing the part that he did because he did not need to do that. But, like, he did it, and he did it selflessly, and it was awesome. And he tapped out clean. Yes, he put over Daniel Bryan in the biggest way possible. With that, we're going to reach the end. Javier, your overall thoughts looking at the uh, the career of Batista? Okay, just one of the best of all time. Like, I don't think you can really have that debate. Like, he's not on my Mount Rushmore. He's not in my top 10, probably. But Batista is undoubtedly one of the 10 to 20. He's in that 10 to 20 range for me, at least. I think he's fantastic. I think he he's so underrated as far as his character stuff, as far as, like, the little details and matches that, that really sort of solidify the whole story. Like, I don't think there are many guys out there who are better storytellers in the ring and outside of it than Batista. Like, he just got it, and it's not at all surprising that he was able to transition to Hollywood so well. Because that's really a trait that you need, you know? The Rock was very good at it. 
they're just like Cena is very good at that as well. And, and it's just there are some people who can transcend the wrestling aspect of wrestling. And those are the guys that are always very successful. And Batista is just one of those. Batista is one of the best examples of the WWE capitalizing on it factor. On realizing that they have something special with a particular wrestler and making something happen. And I think also one of the best jobs of WWE, knowing when somebody should be a face and knowing when somebody should be a heel. They knew when to turn them. They knew when to turn them back. They were able to kind of ride that wave with him. Um, And I think he was able to play into whatever role they gave him and play it really well. And it leads, it's led to, you know, a legendary hall of fame career for Batista. Plus the dude just looks badass. He kicks ass. Yeah. He, he looks amazing. Um, and, and I'm just really happy that he sort of got his due diligence and he was able to go out the way he wanted to. I mean, the match against triple H was what it was. I thought it was interesting. Um, that that's the type of match that they really went for instead of a straight up, just one-on-one, um, like, like they, like they did all those years beforehand. Um, but that's the match that Batista wanted and that's the match that we got. And honestly, I'm good on WWE for giving the guy what he wanted in the end because he deserved it. He gave him so many years of just great storytelling, great work. You know, he made so much money for that company. WrestleMania 21 was one of the is is still one of the highest selling WrestleManias of all time, and he was the big piece of that. You know, like that's he was the the, the main event. He was the story of that uh, pay per view, and, and it's just really cool that he was able to transition into another big money role with Marvel. He was obviously in James Bond. You know, he's got a button. Uh, Hollywood career that's really starting to explode and, and honestly there isn't a better and more deserving person than, than Dave Batista because he is just so good and so unselfish in his you know abilities that like the guy was a main event player and he gave back to the business just as much as the business gave to him with that we'll wrap up this week's episode talking about Batista Javier, where can the people find you on social media? The people can find me on Twitter at jmellosports. That is J-M-E-L-O sports. Uh, I do a lot of the sports writing gigs. I'm going to have to keep saying this for the rest of time. (laughs) Uh, So don't be surprised when you see a lot of my sports tweets. Uh, Be wary of that. But I do love wrestling. I do love talking about wrestling. So if you ever just want to chit-chat about that or, or shoot me a couple of messages about wrestling... Uh, please, if any other fanboys of Pete Dunne are out there, I am more than ears and willing to, to talk about the, the greatest professional wrestler of all time. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, that, that's where I am. I am back on Twitter, having created a whole new Twitter account. So you can follow me on Twitter at It's Evan Gomes, I-T-S-E-V-A-N-G-O-M-E-S. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Crossbody of Work. Uh, tweet at us with suggestions. We're also going to be sending some tweets out soon in terms of what bonus content you all like to see. So get at us on Twitter so we can know what kind of things you'd like for us to provide to you uh, during this time without sports, <laughs> without anything else to watch on TV. Hopefully you listen to things we have to say and watch some of the things that we suggest you watch. 
Uh, you can also email the podcast at crossbodyofworkpod at gmail.com uh, if you have suggestions for people we should cover or matches we should watch. With that, that about wraps it up for this week. Say goodbye to the people, Javier. Goodbye, people. I love you. I'm going to miss you. And thank you for tuning in. Bye, guys. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.